you all may be seated. All right, if you would open your Bibles to John chapter 13 today, if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand or ushers have some in the back there. But I would encourage you to open up a Bible to John chapter 13. We are working our way through the book of John, and um, last week at Easter, we finished John chapter 12. Now, here's the irony of starting John chapter 13 today. Um, last week, we had Easter, finished up chapter 12. John chapter 13 actually begins the Easter story, okay? Because John chapter 13 um, through John chapter 17 is John is Jesus with the disciples. Actually, it's the upper room time. John chapter 13 is him having the last supper. And then you get into John chapter 18 is when Jesus is arrested. And we're actually going to be finishing up Easter at Christmas. And so it's kind of ironic that um, this is how it all came to play. So we are um, into John chapter 13. Now, John chapter 13, it was my intention today actually to preach through verses 1 through 17. But as I kept reading through it, the, a few verses kind of kept popping out. And, and I told Paula about them. I'm like, I, I just feel like I can't fly over these verses. Because it's kind of like this. Tell me if you guys can tell me what all these things have in common. A Twinkie, a cupcake, an Oreo cookie and a jelly-filled donut. Mm. What? They all have a special filling, okay? And, and, and whether it's you ripping apart the, the Oreo cookie and, and the chocolate part, that's delicious, and you eat that down, and then you lick the, 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 the white stuff off, that's really delicious. You take a jelly-filled donut, it's no different, man. The outside is delicious. But then you bite into that raspberry filling and or Boston cream, whatever it may be, and mmm, delicious. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 17 is that. Because as I read through these verses, the overall context of these 17 verses is Jesus starting to wash the disciples' feet, and he's trying to teach them a lesson. He's trying to teach them and give them an example of what it means to serve one another. But in the middle of these verses, verses 6 through 11 is the filling. And there's something really good in it. And I could not just go through these 17 verses and fly over these verses because there's a lot of deep truth in the middle of the 17 verses. And so today I want to look at, I've entitled my message, Clean as a Whistle. Do you, if as a parent or as a child, did your parent or your mom ever say that to you after you took a bath? I can remember my mom always saying that, you know, I'd take a bath. There you are, clean as a whistle. Had no idea what it meant to be clean as a whistle, but I was clean as a whistle. So I actually looked up that idiom and I wanted to find out what in the world did that mean? Well, to be clean as a whistle actually means to be completely, um, means to be completely dirt free, entirely clean, spotless. That's what it means to be clean as a whistle. These verses that we're looking at that depicts that. It's Jesus washing us, making us spotless. And so today I want to look at um, what it means to be spiritually clean. Because in the context, it's Jesus washing feet. 
but there's a much deeper spiritual meaning here. And so I want to look at just two points today. Now, even though there's only two points, doesn't mean it's a short message. I want to look at what it means to be clean as a whistle and how to be spiritually clean. And so here's the first point. To be spiritually clean, I must initially be forgiven of sin and saved, which brings about a union with Christ. To be spiritually clean, I must be initially forgiven of all my sin. I have to be saved. And that brings me into a union with Christ. Now, I need to read the first five verses to set up verses 6 through 11. It gives more of the context. So starting in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, that's what Jesus is celebrating the last Passover with his disciples. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says now they're in the upper room with him. It says, When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, meaning he knows he's, a, he's going to be arrested here in a matter of hours. He's going, to, he's going to stand trial and they're going to find him guilty and he knows he's going to go to the cross. It's time for him to die. And it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. Not only that, I mean, he loves his own. When, when you know Christ as Savior, I mean, he loves the world. But when you know Christ as Savior, he loves you as his own and he loves you to the end. To the end of what? To the end of all eternity. But there's no end of eternity. So Jesus loves you for how long? Forever. Forever. Verse 2, it says, During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. I read that and I'm like, the parents always get the bad deal when the, the kid is a mess. It always comes back on the parent. So here's Simon Iscariot, the dad of Judas, is going to be known, my kid betrayed Jesus. And so in verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, meaning the long flowing robes, and he took a towel and he tied it around his waist and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And he, and he wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around them. And he came to Simon Peter and said to him, who said to him, Lord, do you want to wash my feet? Peter's perplexed by this. He, he's like, Jesus shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will. You see, in the moment, Peter's not sure what's going on here, okay? Because in, in, in biblical times, foot washing was a, was a necessary thing because people wore shoes, or uh, wore shoes, of course they wore shoes, but sandals, and, and it was on dirt roads. So you had dirty feet all the time. So whenever you would go into a person's house or go home, usually it was a servant that washed the people's feet so you wouldn't dirty the house. Well, here's Jesus, their master, their, their Lord, washing their feet. And Peter's like, mm, what, what are you doing? 
And Jesus, like Peter, look, right now you don't understand what's going on. You see, yes, Jesus is washing their feet. Yes, he's giving them an example of what to do to one another. But the deep spiritual issue that Jesus is getting to is way deeper than washing feet. It's even deeper than saying, hey, be a servant to one another. It's to the point of a spiritual truth that they don't get right now. You see, Jesus is giving them a physical outward washing, but it, there is a deeper spiritual washing that Jesus is actually portraying here. And in the moment, these disciples don't understand it. And when he says, but afterwards you will, he means after I'm crucified, after I die, resurrect, and ascend back into heaven, and when the Holy Spirit begins to teach you again and reveal things to you, the light bulb's going to come on, and they're going to go, oh, got it, understand. But in the moment, Peter is perplexed. And then in verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Because Peter's like, I will not let my Lord, my master, kneel down to me and wash my feet. Because how many of you know, if you're going to wash feet, you've got to kneel. Lowering yourself to the other person. And in Peter's eyes, he's like, you're my Lord. You're my savior. You're you're my master. I should be bowing my knee to you. And Peter's like, this cannot happen. I'll never let you wash my feet. And then Jesus answers him there at the end of verse 8. Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Now Jesus is hitting the nail right on the nail head. He's like, he's, like, he's getting to the, 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 the real deal here. He's like, Peter, if I don't wash you, meaning, and the washing is not outwardly. It's an inward washing. It's not about washing feet or dirty feet. It's washing a dirty soul. It's not washing the feet of a, the dirt off of feet. It's washing sin off of a body. And Peter and Jesus is like, Peter, listen, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. And that word share literally means you have no experience with me. He's like, you don't have a connection with me. You don't have a union with me. You and I are not on the same page. And so you've got to let me wash you. And then Peter, being the man of extreme that is, as he is, in verse 9, Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Basically, he's like, then give me a bath. Don't just wash my feet, man. Just take the bucket and pour. Give me a bath, Jesus, because, man, I want to be with you. And so Peter goes from one extreme, you'll never wash my feet, to just, man, put me in the bath and wash me all over. And again, Jesus gives him a spiritual truth here. In verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Now, in that one verse, there's a lot of truth. Jesus is now in that one verse. He is making 
a distinct difference between taking a bath and just washing. All right? What's the difference between a bath and a sink? It's not that hard, people. A bathtub, you're in it. You're washing everything. Head, feet, body, the whole nine yards. Sink, you're not putting the body in the sink. You put your hands in the sink. Wash your hands. You may wash your face. But you're not taking a complete bath. Jesus is making a distinction here, a spiritual parallel truth here between the bath and just the need of washing. And the spiritual truth of the bath is first. And here's what the bath represents. The bath represents the spiritual truth of what happens to you when you come to know Christ the Savior. All right? Because he's not talking about, he's not talking about physical washing here. All right. That's why he's like, what is happening here? You're not really understanding. They knew because how many of you know, Jesus? I mean, if we just you got to just think through this. If it was just about feet washing. Would Jesus need to say, you don't understand what I'm doing because they're like, no, we know what you're doing. You're washing our feet. We get that. But Jesus like I'm doing something that you don't know what I'm talking about right now. And so he's not talking on a physical level. He's talking on the spiritual level. He's not talking on the surface. He's talking below the surface. He's trying to instruct them on something that they're not getting. And they're not understanding. And he's like, listen, when you take a bath, you don't need to take another bath. Because you're already clean. And so what this represents, the bath, it actually represents a spiritual cleaning at the time of your salvation. It, when the sinner trusts in the Savior, it's like he's bathed all over spiritually. And every sin in your life washed away. All right? At the time of your conversion is, and, and the bath represents that one time, no need to re, be repeated, bath, cleansing, forgiveness in Christ. All right? When you come to know Christ, when Christ becomes your savior, your sins are forgiven once for all time. And there's no need for a repeating of the bath, of the washing, of the forgiveness, of the, I got to come back to Jesus and ask him to be my savior again. Oh, I messed up. I got to come back to Jesus and ask him to be my savior again. No, you don't. He's like, once you take the bath, you are completely clean. I love that he, he doesn't say, when you take a bath in me, you're partially clean. When you take a bath in me, you know what? You're a little bit clean, but when you die, you got to keep cleaning yourself up. No, he says you are completely clean. Every sin that you can commit. That's what is so awesome about Christ. When, on Good Friday, when I talked about Jesus in the garden and he prayed that God would remove the cup from him. And I explained that the cup was Jesus was going to become sin. He was going, he was taking the cup of God's wrath upon himself. He was going to take every sin of humanity upon himself. And when he was on the cross is when he... Aim that sin. 
So any kind of sin you can think of, you're completely clean of it. Every filthy, dirty, nasty sin. Not just a little bit of white lie. Well, Jesus forgives that. A little bit of deception. Well, Jesus forgives that. Well, I, I talked harsh today. Jesus forgives that. Murder. Jesus completely forgives. Think of the nasty sins that people do. Think of the stuff that people do where we look at people and go, oh my gosh, they deserve to go to hell. Jesus died for those people. The most vilest, hateful, villainous person you can think of, Hitler. Jesus died for him. to make us completely clean. That's what Jesus did. He took every sin, everything, so we could be completely clean when we are washed. We are washed in him. We are bathed in him. We become completely clean. And that's gotta be the key. In order for, because the cleansing, this this bath, this spiritual cleansing, the forgiveness of sin, the complete washing of spiritual, the spiritual washing isn't automatically appropriated to you. It, it just isn't like one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I've been bathed in Christ. Awesome. I have no more. It's not automatic. There's a key to it. And the key is actually found again back in verse eight. When Jesus says to Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Jesus is like, if I do not wash you, you have no union with me. If I do not wash you, you have no part of me. If I am not your savior, you have no union with me. We are not connected. You have no experience, no share with me. Jesus becomes the one in which we are cleansed by. He is the one in which we have to be washed by forgiven by. But Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no connection. But what do we say? I can wash myself. I can wash myself and make my right, my, myself right with God. I can wash myself. I can get my sins forgiven. I can go to heaven. So what we say is we say, well, if we just, if I can cleanse myself by doing good works, I can cleanse myself by being generous. I can cleanse myself by being religious. I can cleanse myself by being kind and being nice. I can cleanse myself by doing works. And if I just do enough of them, if my good outweighs my bad, I will be clean. Well, here's a problem. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 tells us this. All of us have become one who is unclean. All of us. And unclean in the scripture means the same as Romans chapter 3. All of us are sinners. All of us. No one is clean before God. Every single person in this room, in this town, in this state, in this country, in this world is unclean before God. Because of sin. We are all sinners. 
And all of us have become unclean. And here it is. All of our righteous acts. Throw out some righteous acts we do. What's a righteous act? What do you think? Give to a charity. Help others. Forgive. Be nice. We just, things we do. Preach. Go to church. Take communion. Baptize as a baby. All that stuff. All of our righteous acts. And here it is. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. All of my righteous acts before God are filthy rags. And the problem is, it says, my sin makes me like a leaf. Think of when, when a leaf falls from the tree and that wind comes and it blows it away. My sin blows me away from God. It sweeps us away. Why? Because my righteous acts cannot clean me. And that's why, as I said on Good Friday, Jesus had to become sin. And in that moment when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was in that moment that God turned from Jesus, couldn't look at his son. The presence of God couldn't be with Christ because Jesus was sin at that moment. And sin and complete holiness cannot intermingle. That's why heaven is only for people who know Christ. Because Christ has cleansed us. And Christ has washed us. If I do not know Christ, if I have not been washed by Christ, I do not have no share with Christ. I cannot share in eternity. I cannot be in eternity with him. I have no experience with him in eternity. I have no connection with him in eternity. I have no union with him in eternity. The only way I get that eternal life is through being washed by him. And so that's when I have to come to a place where I put my faith in Christ. You see, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it's not on the screen, but if you just want to write this down, Ephesians 2, verse 8 says this, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. You are saved by God's grace only through faith in Christ. And this is not of our own doing. It is not, it is a gift of works and not a result of works. It's a gift of God. And God's like, you can't accomplish this. And the end of that verse says, it's not by works so no one can boast. That's why your righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. Because nobody's going to stand before God. You know, we all, you know, we all say that, G, that Peter will be standing at the pearly gates and he'll be like, okay, why should I let you in? And it's like, we're going to get ding, 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 you know, give us, here's my, here's my resume, Peter. Okay, well, here's the thing. Peter is not standing at no pearly gate and he's not the gatekeeper. Paul makes it very clear. This moment you die as a believer, you are in the presence of Christ. Okay, and so... Um, when we stand before God, before Christ, at, his, at his, this, the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to be like, hey, hey, impress me. What did you do? Well, you know, I gave $25 every week to the church. And when I died, 
I gave a lot of money. Well, you know, I was really nice to that cantankerous person every day I had to work with them. They drove me crazy, but I was nice to them. Everything we do, Jesus will be like, next. I'm not impressed. Because my works mean nothing before him. There's only one thing that will mean anything before God. Why should I let you in? Because Jesus Christ has washed me. That's the only thing that you and I have to stand on. Because he has washed me. We know that the book of Revelation talks about a book of life. And the only way the book of life has your name in it is because you have been washed by Christ. You know him as Savior. And so when you come to know Christ as your Savior, and you put your faith in him, that is how you are saved. Romans 5.1 says that we are justified, meaning you're made right before God. We are justified by faith. If you have put your faith in Christ and Christ alone, not in faith in Christ plus some of your works, not in just your works, not anything else, but in Christ, you have come to that place where you're like, Jesus, it is only by you and through you whom I can be washed. And Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my savior. Be my Lord. I surrender my life. That is being washed by Christ. And that's in that moment, when you come to know Christ as your Savior, that as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that's why you are washed completely. And that's the permanence of that washing. Now, like I said, Jesus is, is, is distinguishing between the bath and the washing. So the bath is the union with Christ. You have to initially come to know Christ. You've got to initially, to be spiritually clean, you've got to be initially cleansed and have a union with Christ. But what happens if you already have that? You're sitting here going, Jim, I know Christ is my savior. I have a conversion story. I remember when I came to that place and I said, Jesus, come into my life. You've, you've admitted your sin. You've confessed him and you said, Jesus, I need you. And, and, and that's where you're at. Well, this is the second point, And it's this. To be spiritually clean, I must continually confess sin in order to maintain communion with Christ. Not only do I need to initially have my sins forgiven and be saved to have union with Christ, but once I become a believer, I need to continually confess sin so I can have communion with Christ. All right. Now, again, this is where he is in verse 10 again. So he says, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. He's already completely clean. So think about it. You know, in biblical times, People just didn't have a bathtub in their, in, in, their, in, in their bathroom, all right? There were actually communal pools, all right? And so there were, maybe there were hot springs or something in the city. People could go, and there were communal baths. People just bathed together. 
Well, here's the thing. You come, you know, you wash your head, you wash your body, or you get up out of the you get up out of that pool. Are you completely clean at that point? Yes. At that point, physically, I'm not talking spiritually. Physically, you take a bath, you are clean from head to toe. All right. You get up out of the bath, you put your robes back on, you put your sandals on, and now you got to walk two miles back home. And you start walking with wet feet on a dirty road. You get home. Do you need to take a complete bath again? No. What do you need to do? Wash your feet. That's it. You don't need a complete bath again, as Jesus says. You've bathed. You're clean. But your feet are dirty because you had to walk through the dirt. So guess what? When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you come to that place where you realize, I'm a sinner. My sin separated me from God. And there was a point in your life that the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and you came to the place where you're like, Jesus, come into my life. And you became a believer in Jesus Christ. You have been washed completely, all of your sin, forgiven. Now, here's the thing. When you sin, because guess what? You still sin. You're not perfect. Just because you come to know Christ as your Savior, you are perfect positionally before God. But practically, every day in life, anybody other than me, you still get angry. You say something you shouldn't say. You do something you shouldn't do. Yes, you do. That's why the book of James says we all still stumble in many ways. John tells us in 1 John that if you think you're without sin, you deceive yourself. All right? You still sin. So here's the thing. When you come to know Christ as your Savior, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are saved. All right? I know some of you have gone to churches where you have been told, oh, you, you sinned. You better, you need to repent and accept Jesus again because you have sinned. You could lose your salvation. You are sealed permanently. If you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ, you are sealed permanently with him. The devil convinces us, well, you know, you keep sinning, you, you're... I don't think you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, because if you were a believer in Jesus Christ, you wouldn't be doing this anymore. You wouldn't act like that. You wouldn't talk like that. You would, you know, you would be perfect. And we buy that lie. And be, there's a and maybe this is you. Whenever there's an altar call. You raise your hand and you say that sinner's prayer again because you convinced yourself Maybe I'm not saved. Well, you see, that's why John wrote also 1 John. And in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know that you have salvation. You may know it. You are secure in Christ if you are a genuine believer in Christ. But here's the problem. We are believers in Jesus Christ. We are perfected positionally with Jesus. 
we are completely washed of all of our sin before Christ right now. But in the everyday minutia of life, guess what you and I have got to walk through? The dirt of the world. We got to walk through the pollution of the world. We've got to walk through the temptations that the enemy lays before us every single moment of every single day. So when you go to work, guess what you're walking through? You're walking through the junk of work. When you're with your family, you're walking through the junk of family stuff. When you're by yourself, the enemy's going to... We go through life. And so as I'm walking through life, I have been washed completely, but my feet are still getting dirty. I still sin. So guess what you and I have got to do? You've got to confess it. You've got to be real with it. Because a real follower of Christ gets real with their sin. You see, here's the thing. That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, when you've bathed and you've been washed, but when you start walking again and your feet get dirty, you're still clean. But you just got to wash your feet. So as you and I go through life and we sin, Father, forgive me. I've got to get real before God about my sin. And here's some promises we have. In 1 John 1, 9, again, John, is, he hammers this home here. And also in 1 John, he says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that. There's no sin that it's like... All of your sin, when you initially come to Christ, washed away, clean. But the repeated sins that we still do, Jesus is not sitting there going, oh my gosh, you did it again. You've ran out. My grace is done for you, man. My forgiveness is done on you. I can't, I can't forgive that again. No. God is faithful and just to forgive you of all sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. In the book of Psalms, chapter 32, verse 5, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Confession is the walking out part of a believer. The confession is the washing of your feet. Because you're going to sin. You're still wrapped in flesh. You're still walking in the pollution of this world. You're still dealing with temptation. If you are perfect, please tell me because I want to figure that out. None of us are perfect. You as a believer in Jesus Christ are still going to sin. You're still going to miss the mark. You're still going to fail. But here's the thing. You will hear people, I just don't have time to pray. You have people who are believers and you never pray. Let me ask you, if you never pray, when are you confessing your sin? I want to let that sit there for a second. Because usually they go together. Because Jesus says this in the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We all pray that one. 
God, this is what I need. I need healing. I need money. I need this. I need this. I need this. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. That's confession. But it happens when we pray. So here's the thing. If you are a believer in Christ and you never take time to pray, you are not confessing your sin. And if you're not confessing your sin, your sin is going to not disconnect your union with Christ, but it disrupts your communion with Christ. Let me say that again. When you sin, it's not going to disconnect your union. You are still saved, but it disrupts your everyday communion, your fellowship with Christ. You see, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, not to grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives within you as a believer in Christ. And our sin, when we sin, it grieves him. First Thessalonians tells us not to squelch the Holy Spirit, meaning you can, you can, you can like um, cause the Holy Spirit to not move in your life. You'll hear people say this, man, I just feel empty. I just feel disconnected from God. I just feel like, you know, I, God's abandoned me. Can I tell you, God does never, he, never will he leave you, never will he forsake you. So when you feel empty, disconnected, you feel like you're in a spiritual desert, you feel like you just, your, 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 your walk with God has just stagnated, it's not really like you come to church, you're just like, ah, I just don't feel like being here. You don't, you don't have no interest in reading the word, you just, your life is just kind of blah as a believer. I'm telling you why. You've got sin in your life you haven't confessed. Something's wrong. God has not moved. God never moves. Jesus never abandons you. He never walks away from you. The Holy Spirit is still in you, but he's quiet. Because if we allow unconfessed sin, and it's not to say that you're like walking at like you're just being a sinner and living like the world. If you're not praying, you're not spending time with God, you're not in the word, you're not worshiping, you're not confessing your sin, that sin is still there. And it's still grieving the Holy Spirit. It's squelching him. It's like, it's like the fire that wants to burn in your life is being kind of pulled back. And the Holy Spirit now becomes more of an ember than a burning flame. And so that's why it's so important Literally, every day, if you're not confessing sin, you're, something's missing. Something's broken. Because I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person where I ever, I'm like, God, forgive me. I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that way. And you know what? And it doesn't have to be just all right sin. There are times where I, you know, I mean, I'm in the Bible all the time because of my study, but... But sometimes on Mondays, my day off, I start getting busy. I just don't get in the word. I allow my busyness to get ahead of, of God. Not flat out sin, but on Tuesday morning, when I get over to the office and I'm in here walking around, I'm like, God, forgive me. I let my busyness get ahead of you yesterday. I didn't spend any time in the word. I didn't pray yesterday. I ask that you'll forgive me. I confess that. And maybe that's where some of you are. Maybe it's just that, you know what? If you want that joy of, of, of the spirit in your life, you want that fellowship, that communion that feels fresh,
comes back to his confession. You're saved. If you know Christ, you are saved. And you have that union. It's there. It's secure. But the communion, the everyday fellowship with God, the everyday fellowship with Christ, that's what he desires. And if you and I are not confessing our sin, if we're not washing our feet on a daily basis, sometimes it could be a momentary, moment-by-moment basis. All right? I'm sure some of you, I'm sure it's not like, oh, I sin once a day. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, once a day, I'd love that. I'm like falling off the turnip truck every hour. But confession, you've heard it, confession is good for the soul. And it's good for the soul because it regenerates. Just, it just gives, it, the Holy Spirit just breathes life back into you. And so you need that, that confession time. And let me just close a final verse, the, the end of verse um, Verse 10, he says, you are clean, but not every one of you. And in that moment, he's talking about Lazarus. The other 12, or not Lazarus, but Judas. The other, out of the 12, when he says, you are clean, he's talking plural. And he's like, you 11 are clean, but there's one here who's not. Maybe this needs to be our focus time on that. I believe there's probably three groups in here. One, there's a group of people who you know Christ is your savior and you take confession seriously. You're trying to walk your life out. You know you're not perfect. You, you've accepted Christ. You are a believer in Jesus Christ. And when you sin, you deal with it, man. You're just on it. There's another group of people in here. You do not even have a union with Christ yet. You have never come to the place where you have asked Jesus to come into your life and wash you of your sin. You have no share with him right now. You still don't have a union with him right now. You are still not connected to him right now. And if you were to die today, you would be forever disconnected from him. And you would not, have, you would not be in his presence and you would be swept away because of your sin. And you would be in a dark eternity apart from Christ. But then there's a third group in here. You're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you're not dealing with your sin. You, you sin, but you just go on with life like it's no big deal. You don't take time to pray. You don't, you don't take time for allow the Holy Spirit to, you know, you feel the conviction or you just don't, you, you, you're just going through life and you're just like, something's off. So maybe today, for some of you, you are clean. But for some of you, you're not. And maybe for some of you, it's that initial cleaning that you need to come to know Christ as your Savior, to turn from yourself, turn from your, your sin, turn from everything, and turn to Christ and in Christ alone and receive him and accept him as your Savior to allow him to wash you of your sin. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe for you, you're still unclean, but you're a believer, but you're just not dealing with your sin. So I'm gonna close this in a word of prayer. Paul, if you could come up, if the worship team could come up. Would you just close your eyes? I want you to examine where you are right now. If you're today and you don't know Christ as your savior, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand right now, but 
But after the service, I'm going to be out in the foyer. If you are here today and you are unclean spiritually, that you have never initially come to the place where you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, you've never been washed of your sin, and you do not have that union with Christ, you're disconnected from him, talk to me in the foyer. And maybe the Holy Spirit's talking to you about that right now. But maybe right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit is talking to you as a believer. But he's saying you've got sin in your life and you're not dealing with it. You're not confessing it. And you're just going through life like, like nothing's wrong and, and you feel the disconnect. You feel the emptiness. You feel like you're in a spiritual lethargicness. You feel like Jesus is distant. You, you just, maybe it's just in this moment that you turn back. And repentance, that's what repentance is. It's a turning. Turn from just your, I'm just gonna do life on my terms and, and turn back to Christ. In this moment, say, Jesus, thank you for being my savior, but forgive me. And maybe there's a particular sin that the Holy Spirit's revealing to your heart right now. Maybe there's a particular sin the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and has been dealing with you about. But you've been ignoring them. You've just been pushing that aside. Maybe right here in this moment, it's time for you as a believer in Jesus Christ to say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. And start just confessing whatever sin or sins that he's been prompting you about. So as I close, just... You just deal with where the Holy Spirit's dealing with you at. So, Father, we thank you that you are a loving God. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to rescue us and save us from our sin. And, Lord, I don't know every heart in here. I don't know who is saved and who isn't. But I know you do, and I know they do. And, Lord, if there would be anyone here today who has never had that initial salvation, that initial washing of their sin, if they have never had that initial union with Christ, then they are separated from you. I pray that Holy Spirit, you would talk to me. And they would not leave this building until they made a decision to say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me, be my savior and wash me. But also maybe in this time, Lord, there are sinners and I know I'm one of those, Father. It's so easy to be a believer in Jesus, but not deal with our sin. It's so easy to just think it's not a big deal. Sin is a big deal. Sin causes our communion with you, Jesus, to be disconnected. It, 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 it distorts it. 